91. How many are familiar with Psalm 91? I think we all are pretty much familiar with Psalm 91. It is a great, great, powerful psalm. And it's a psalm that uh, it speaks of protection and is a promise uh, of God's protection and provision for our life. And so I'm going to read the first eight verses. We're going to continue. We're talking about shadow living. What is shadow living? What does that mean? Shadow living is living under the shadow of the Almighty God, under the shadow of the Most High God, under God's protection. And so that's what the psalmist speaks of here in Psalm 91. Many believe uh, that Psalm 91 was written by Moses. I've heard some say that it was David that wrote it. We don't know for sure. There's no authorship that's attributed to the psalm. But we do know that Psalm 90 was penned by Moses. It's a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Psalm 90 says, the heading says. And so it's assumed that Psalm 91 also was written by Moses as a prayer and a promise of protection for the children of Israel as they traveled through the wilderness and in their wilderness wanderings that God had promised to protect them. But this psalm is not just for those who traveled through the wilderness, but I believe that it is for you and I today and for all of those who are abiding in Christ Jesus And living under the shadow of the Almighty God. So in Psalm 91, look what he says in verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Verse 3, the first word says, surely, surely. Would you say that with me? Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Father, we thank you for the Word of God and the reading of your Word today. And Lord, for the presence of God and your Spirit that is here in our midst this morning. I'm asking you this morning, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you will help me to minister your Word, that you will open the hearts of each and every one here to receive, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive the seed of your Word And we give you praise for all that you've done and what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. 
This 91st Psalm is just a gold mine in the midst of the Psalms. It's a gold mine of promises from the Lord, promises of God's provision and of God's protection. And as I said, I believe that the promises that are included here and that are contained in this psalm were not just for the children of Israel, not just for the Messiah, for the Lord Jesus, but I believe that the wonderful, precious promises that are here in Psalm 91 are also for us today. They're for everyone who's abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. And so, when you read this psalm, there is definitely promises here that give us stability. There are promises here that give us security, and we need that today. There are promises here that give us serenity and give us peace in our heart and our life. And it's for every Christian who will trust the Lord for His protection in their lives. Amen. It's filled with awesome blessings. This psalm is filled with awesome promises for those who will meet the conditions that are laid out here in this psalm. And we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago on the conditions. And I made the statement that Psalm 91 is not for everybody. Well, Brother Rick, I thought you just said that it was for us today. It is for us today or for those who meet the conditions, which the conditions are to dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Two very important words there are dwell and abide. And we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. So we are to abide. Jesus said that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. So every promise of God that is given in the Word of God um, has a condition attached to it. There are no unconditional promises in the Bible. Even the promise of salvation, we must meet conditions. We must repent and believe and, we, and confess Jesus as Lord, then we shall be saved. So everybody's not saved, only those who meet the conditions and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the conditions are dwelling, as I said, in the secret place and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And that's why that I call this, refer to this as shadow living. It's living under God's shadow. It's abiding in Christ. It's what the New Testament, what Paul referred to in the New Testament as, as walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit. Amen. Living constantly in the presence of Almighty God. That means that when you do that, God has got you covered. If you're under the shadow of the Almighty, that means that God has got you covered. Can you say amen? Praise God. You know, we're all 
Uh, we all have different kinds of insurance policies for our car, for our home, for everything, and uh, for our health and all of that. And we want to know, when it comes to insurance, you want to know what's covered and what's not covered. Amen? Well, I want to tell you today that there's some pretty good insurance here in the Bible, in the Word of God. And when you're abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ and dwelling, living under the shadow of the Almighty, there's really, really good coverage. Amen. I mean, God offers us some really great coverage. Hallelujah of His protection. Amen. And He said there in verse number 2, and we dealt with this just uh, at the close of the message week before last in verse number 2, the psalmist said there uh, that he was going to open his mouth and declare something and say something. And when he talked about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, then he said, I will say of the Lord. So that means that you and I have to say something. We have to declare something. We have to profess something. Amen? We have to open our mouth and declare our faith and our confidence in the Lord. Now, that word say, as we mentioned, it means to actually to boast in the Lord or to brag upon the Lord, to say and to declare who God is in your life. Amen. Does God mean something special to you? Is He something special to you? And we went through the names that, that the psalmist, four names that he gives here in this psalm of the Lord, and, and He's the, the Most High, the Almighty. He's the Lord and He is God. And each one of those names declares the might and the power of the Lord in our lives. And we need to declare who God is. He went on to say there, you need to say, He said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and He is my fortress and my God and in Him I will trust. So we are to declare today with our mouths who God is and what God will do for us. Amen. How many of y'all believe that you serve a great God today? A mighty God, a powerful God, and He can do everything. Woo, hallelujah. So we need to declare that. That is what true praise and worship is, ladies and gentlemen. It is declaring who God is and, de and declaring what He will do in our lives. But notice verse 3 and 4, and here's what we want to pick up today and deal with some things here in verse 3 and 4, because the very first word says, surely. And here is a declaration that the psalm is making about God and what God will do. He talked about who He is. He's my refuge and my fortress. He's my God, and in Him I will trust. But now He says, here's what God will do. Surely He shall deliver you, and He shall cover you. Two things that He said God will do. And I love that very first word there, the word surely. Amen. And I I had you to say that when we read that verse, I had you to say the word surely because the word surely, he says, surely he shall deliver. Now that is confidence because the word surely means certainly. 
The word surely means infallibly and undoubtedly. So there's no doubt in this psalmist's mind as to what God will do for them, him, and those who he was speaking to. And there should be no doubt in your mind today about who God is and what God will do for you. It's not maybe God will help me. It's not I hope that God will help me. It's not that he might help me, but there has to be a surely here, not a hope so or a think so, but I know so. Oh, come on, somebody. I don't think that I'm saved. I don't hope that I'm saved. I don't maybe, maybe I'm saved. I've got to know that surely I am saved and I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! That is a confidence that we have to have. And God wants you and I to have confidence in Him and confidence in His Word. So it means without a doubt, surely and certainly, God shall be with me. He shall surely deliver me. That's something that I can count on. That's something that I can put in the bank. And there's a difference between hoping for something and knowing something. Amen? I can hope something happens, but I'm not sure that it will. But if I'm sure and confident, I can brag on the Lord and boast on the Lord and declare of the Lord who He is and what He will do. I'm expressing my faith and saying of the Lord, I I believe he is with me. I believe he's my refuge. He is my fortress. He's my God. I've got my trust in him. And I know that regardless of how the situation might, might look, whatever I may be dealing with, I declare I know that God has got it under control. And God is going to bring me out and bring me through. Come on, amen. That is being confident that surely. But he said that surely he shall do something. What did he say that he shall do? Surely he shall, verse number 3, he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. Who do you think the fowler is? Huh? Well, you know, in a fowler, the word fowler refers to a, a, an individual, a, a man or person that hunts for birds and traps them in a snare. And that's what they referred to a bird hunter that would set snares to trap birds. They called that person a fowler. Well, Satan, spiritually speaking, I believe that's the reference here that this psalmist is making is to the enemy. Satan is and his and the powers of darkness the devil is the fowler he's always trying to trap us he's always trying to do what he can to let's use this terminology to foul things up is that right? I know that's a little bit different usage of that word, but, but nevertheless, Satan is always working to try to foul things up in our life. He's the one, he is the arch 
enemy of our souls. And I think that we all understand that we have a spiritual enemy that we have to deal with. The Bible tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or against one another, but we wrestle, we are wrestling and fighting against the powers of darkness. So the arch enemy, the deceiver, that great deceiver, Satan, is always doing what he can to try to catch us in his net. Just as a fowler who would hunt for birds and trap them in a snare, Satan is trying with everything that he can to ensnare you, to catch you, to trap you in his net or in his web and to take you captive. Come on, amen? The snare, and there's something about the fowler and about the snare that the enemy lays for us, the snare, a snare is a hidden danger, and a snare was carefully something that was carefully concealed. When the when the fowl or when an individual was trying to trap birds and was setting a snare or a trap for the birds, that snare was concealed. It wasn't just set out in the open, but it was concealed. It was hidden, and that's exactly what the enemy does today. He is constantly baiting traps and setting snares that are. Designed to catch us and to entrap us and to ensnare us and to bring us down. I want you to know something today, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I, as born-again believers, we have an enemy that wants to take you down and that wants to take you out and that he has he's always setting traps for us. So you and I have to be aware of the traps that Satan sets for us, the snares that are there, and understand where they are, what they are, and trust the Lord to deliver us from the snare that the enemy has set for us. Amen? He's designed those snares to take us out. Paul told Timothy in in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9, he said that there were those who fall into temptation and a snare of the devil. The temptation and a snare. So Paul likened temptation to a snare. And that's what Satan does. He is so, you know, the Bible talks about the wiles of the devil or the methodology of the devil. So Satan does everything he can to conceal his temptation. And uh, he conceals and hides from people what the end of the road of his enticements will bring. You know, temptation, and, 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 and James likened temptation to being enticed. It's bait. Just like you're fishing. You know, if you go fishing, you guys that fish, uh, you use bait to entice the fish. Whether it's a lure, whatever it is. In other words, that bait looks good to the fish. If you know how to work that, you know, that plastic worm or that uh, jitterbug or whatever you're using out there, you know, I never was much of a bass fisherman. I, I like to catfish and, and bluegill fish, and I've crappie fished some. But whatever you're fishing for, you have to have something that will entice that fish. And Satan knows what it is that will entice us to draw us to that net or to that trap or to that snare. And temptation is is an enticement, and he 
always conceals the end of the road. Satan is a master at making uh, sin look good and making it look like it's fun and harmless and innocent. And you know the, the commercials used to be on. I haven't seen them in years, but used to be a, a, a beer commercial that was on TV where everybody was sitting around the campfire or whatever they were doing, and they were partying, they were having a big time. And the motto was, it doesn't get any better than this. You remember that? I think it was old Milwaukee beer, and it said, it doesn't get any better than this. And I always said, no, that's true. It doesn't get any better. It always gets worse. Amen. It always gets worse. And, uh, but that's the way the devil does. He, he wants to entice and make sin look like it's, it's harmless in it and it's innocent until that individual is ensnared and becomes trapped before they know it. And they are, as the Scripture said in Proverbs 5, that they are taken and, con- and, 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 and tied up by the cords of their sin. Jesus himself taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray. One of the things we we were to pray is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What's Jesus saying there in that in that part of the Lord's prayer? He's saying that we need to be careful that we that you don't put yourself in the place of temptation. Are you listening to me? You know what? You know if if a person's been delivered from alcohol, saved and delivered out of a lifestyle of drinking, you don't go hang around with people that are drinking all the time. You don't put yourself in that place of temptation. And Jesus said, "Deliver us from evil. Don't lead us into temptation." But we must watch out for the traps and the snares that will bring us down. And Satan has his net spread. So we must be careful that we do not get caught. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. That fowler knows your weakness. He knows what your Achilles heel is. He knows where to strike you. And the thing that may be my weakness may not be yours. But mark it down. The devil knows what your weakness is. And That is the place he will work. That is the place that he will entice and what he will use to try to draw you away. And none of us, I don't care how long we've been saved. I don't care how full of the Holy Ghost you are. I don't care how much of the Word you know. And you need to to be close to the Lord, especially in these last days. And have as much of this Word hidden in your heart as you can. But can I tell you, no matter how long we've been saved, there is still an enemy that will try to entrap us, ensnare us, tempt us, and draw us away to a lifestyle of sin. So we must be aware of that and be on our guard. Can I get an amen? Now, God is saying here in Psalm 91 that He will not allow you. There is, there is protection from those snares of the enemy, if we dwell and abide in the secret place of the Most High God. Now, he says there, uh, he said, God, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, He's my fortress. In Him I will put my trust. Surely, as long as I make Him my refuge, as long as I make the Lord Jesus my, my, my fortress and put my trust in Him, surely, without a shadow of a doubt, 
about, infallibly and certainly he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Come on, somebody. That's why it's so important that our faith and our trust remain every day constantly in Christ and what he's done for us at Calvary. He is our deliverer. Can somebody say amen? He is our deliverer. Woo. Now the Hebrew word there for deliverer is an interesting word because that word means to snatch or to tear away or to rescue, to pull out of the way of danger. It means to just snatch somebody out of the way of danger. It would be like, you know, your grandchild or a little child getting ready to run out. Have you ever, parents ever had that happen when your kids was little? They're getting ready to run across the street and there's a car coming and what do you do? You snatch them out of the way. You grab them by the shirt or the arm or whatever and you pull them back into a place of safety out of the way of danger. Maybe they're getting ready to touch a hot stove or they're getting ready to fall or something and you grab them just at that moment and snatch them out of the way of danger. And that's what that word means. It means to to just pull them or snatch them out of danger just in the nick of time. Woo! Suddenly just pulling them out in the nick of time. And that's the way God delivers us. You know, there's times... There's times, I know there has been in my life, and I'm sure there has been in yours, that I was wondering what was taking God so long. Anybody ever been there? Oh, but man, just in the nick of time, He always comes through. It may be at the last minute, but He is always on time, and He snatches and delivers us if we trust Him for our safety. The Bible tells us that there is deliverance from that perilous pestilence that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. There is deliverance and surely he shall deliver you, snatch you, rescue you from that snare of the fowler and from that temptation. Amen. But now listen, there's a there's also a prophetic, I believe there's a prophetic implication here as well. We know that the Lord will snatch us from danger. He will snatch us and, and rescue us from uh, temptation and from the snare of the enemy, but there's also a prophetic implication here as well, and a prophetic layer, because one of these days, very, very soon, there's coming a time, and it could be today, and it could be before this service is over, and it would suit me fine if it was, but there's coming a day when the Lord Himself is going to appear from heaven with a shout, and He's going to snatch us. Come on, somebody. Woo! He's going to rescue us and take us out of this world, and that is called the rapture of the church, the catching away of the saints. Amen. That's going to be the ultimate when He delivers us from this present evil world and takes us, hallelujah, takes us to be with Him in heaven. Now, I want to say this because, you know, and I think everybody knows 
Everybody knows my position prophetically and where I am as far as the Scripture goes with prophecy, but we went through the book of Revelation here a year or so ago. You know, spent a year on Wednesday nights in the book of Revelation, but you know that I am a pre-tribulation rapture saint and believer and preacher. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Now I thought that'd get you excited. Uh, let me put it to you this way. There is a terrible time of tribulation that's coming on this earth. But guess what? It's not meant for the church, the bride of Christ, the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're coming, we're going to be rescued out from that time of tribulation. And I know there are those that some are mid-tribbers, you know, they believe we're going through half of it. Some are pre-wrath, uh, pre-wrath believers that will go through part of the sealed judgments, but before the wrath is poured out of God was poured out that we'll be raptured. But I believe with all my heart, and I believe that the Bible teaches it this way, and I don't have any argument with everybody else because we're all going to find out very soon who's right and who's wrong, but I do believe that in the moment in the twinkling of an eye the trumpet of God is going to sound and God is going to send his son back to take his church out of this earth and we're going to be raptured. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah. The tribulation period that's coming in the book of Revelation, that tribulation period is a time of, of tribulation. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's not a time that was meant for the church. The bride of Christ is not meant to go through the tribulation period. Amen. God is not going to send his church, his bride through the tribulation to beat up on the church and to afflict the church and to send us through pestilence and through all the wrath that's coming on this earth the Bible said that God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and that salvation is coming through the rapture of the church he's coming back for his people amen and it could happen at any moment. It could happen at any time. Amen? But before the tribulation period, and that, that's what makes me know that we're so close to the rapture because we see the signs that are, that are being fulfilled and things that are coming to pass that are leading up to events that are going to take place in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. We see a cashless society being brought into play. We see uh, a, a one world church and religion being brought into play. We see a one world um, a one world government that's being brought into play. Amen? And um, the majority of your politicians, if not all, most of them are globalists. They are for a one world government. And it, it's it's, it's prophesied and that there will be a one world government headed up during the tribulation period by a man known as the man of sin, a one world ruler and a one world dictator that will be empowered by uh, a very the very powers of darkness. Um, in, he will be Satan himself incarnate, known as the Antichrist, the man of sin. We see those things coming into play and we know glory
glory be to God that we are in not the last days but the very last hours the very last moments of this age before the second coming of Jesus but if you are like me and believe that he's going to snatch us out and deliver us from the perilous pestilence and the snare of the fowler we know Jesus is coming soon to get his church hallelujah I want to be ready how about you Amen. I want to be ready for that rapture. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven. The scripture says with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then he, we which are alive, who are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them. In the clouds. Who's that? That's the living saints that are alive at that time of the rapture. And Paul uses the word there in 1 Thessalonians 4 that we shall be caught up together. In 1 Corinthians he said we'll be changed. In the moment and twinkling of an eye at the the sound of that last trump. And um, we'll be caught up. And Paul uses the Greek word herpazo for caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that, that word caught up or that word harpazo. And I know people say, well, you know, preacher, that the word rapture is not even found in the Bible. You all talk about a rapture and there's not even the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Well, the word caught up is. Amen. <laughs> and that's what raps, that's what it means. It's a Latin word, raptus, which means to snatch, to catch away. That's where we get our word rapture from. But the Greek word is harpazo, and it means to seize. It means to snatch away. It means to catch up, just like that word that um, that the psalmist used in Psalm 91. He shall deliver you. He shall snatch you from the snare of the fowler. When Jesus comes back at the sound of that trumpet, he's going to snatch away his church they're trying to get the world all this UFO stuff you know that's going to be when when all those millions disappear the the word will be out you know well they were abducted by UFOs well it might be an unidentified flying object but praise God it's going to be the church caught up on the wings of Jesus to meet the Lord in the air and he's delivering us from the perilous pestilence and plagues and ungodly works of Satan and wrath of God that's going to be poured out on this earth. We're getting out of here as the bride of Christ. Come on, amen. Woo, hallelujah. So he surely shall deliver us. But notice in verse 4, it says that he shall also cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. This is the covering. He will cover us. Somebody said, well, does God have feathers? No. But it's a metaphor that's used here, uh, an analogy that's used, and it's a picture of a mother bird that will cover and protect her young with her wings. You can just, just Google it. 
Amen? And there's pictures of, of these of birds that have their young under their wings, and they're totally, completely covered. Amen. That hawk coming over can't get them. And mama's not going to let that hawk have them babies. Amen. They're covered with the wings of that, of that mother. And so it's a, it's a picture of that covering. I read, I read a story. I read a story uh, some time ago, but uh, it was a story of a farmer who had watched his, he had had a fire on his farm, and he had watched his farm burn to the ground. And as he was walking around the charred rubble and the remains, what was left, he, he walked along and he found the body of one of his chickens that was laying there that had been burned up. And when he walked up there, he just took his foot and he took his foot and, and kicked the, the chicken aside. And when it turned over, of course, the chicken was charred. It was burned. But when he kicked that chicken over, underneath was uh, some little chicks that that, that that hen had gotten over in that time of danger and gotten uh, over those, those chicks. And underneath, those little chicks were still alive. That mother had wrapped her wings around her chicks and protected them. She lost her life, but her babies lived. And that is what God is promising here for you and I in Psalm 91. Listen, we're protected. God is saying, I'll put my wings around you. I've got you covered. Does somebody say, man, I've got you covered. There's protection. Well, I don't know, Brother Rick, if I've got that protection or not. You've got to believe that. He said it, so declare it. He said, surely I will deliver you. I will cover you with my feathers and under my my wings, you will put your trust. Amen. There's so much insecurity in the world today and uh, people are just living lives of fear and insecurity, but I want you to know there is a true security today that every one of you can have and that true security is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him and His finished work at the cross. Amen. We are are covered by the sheltering wings of the Lord. You remember when Jesus was there weeping over Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a chick, as a hen gathers her chicks and protected you, but you would not. Oh, I'm offering myself to Jesus today. I'm declaring he's got me covered. Does he have you covered? The best covering you can have is not the covering of a pastor, the covering of a church, the covering of some prophet, but the best covering you can have today is to be covered by the wings of Almighty God and covered by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember back in the 70s, Dottie Rambo wrote, oh man, God used her. But she wrote a song and it was very popular when we first got saved back in the 70s. Sheltered in the arms of God. How many remember that? Hallelujah. I am sheltered in the arms 
of God. And in that song she said, So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise. They won't worry me, for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me, and naught of earth shall harm me, because I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. How many is glad he's got you covered today? Surely he will deliver you. Surely He will protect you. You don't have to be afraid, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have to be bound by that spirit of fear. But there is peace today. That's the result of being covered by Him. That's the result of being under His wings. That's the result of being under the shadow of the Almighty. Because He said in verse 5, you shall not be afraid. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. I guess that's why I slept on through everything Wednesday night. I don't know. But praise God. But even if I would have been awake, amen, I would still have confidence to know I'm covered. I'm sheltered. I'm protected by the hand of my God. He is my covering today. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. He's got his wings around us. So we don't have to be afraid. He said, you don't have to fear the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day. What does that mean? It means that God's with you day and night. (laughs) That's the simple meaning of it. We know that the night, Satan is the... Uh, prince of darkness, but even during the day, day or night, God is always there. God is always with us when the arrow flies by day. And Satan, of course, is always shooting those flaming arrows at us. Uh, But praise God, those flaming arrows of fear and doubt and impure thoughts designed to destroy us. God said, I'll protect you. You don't have to be afraid of the arrow by night, the terror by night, or the arrow by day. Amen. God promises protection. Look at verse number 7. I'm just about done. Verse number 7 says, A thousand, this is awesome, A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. That's pretty awesome. You need to get a hold of that. A thousand falling on this side, ten thousand on this side, But I am protected. Why? Because he's got me covered with his wings and he's delivering me from that snare of the fowler. Amen? Now this is not, listen, this is not just a carte blanche promise that you will never have any trouble, that you'll never be attacked by the enemy. You're going to be attacked. Satan will do that. But it is a promise from God that the Lord will be with you no matter what you face in life, that He will see you through it, that He will give you victory, that you will overcome, that you are an overcomer, and you will not be defeated by the 
the evil one or by the powers of darkness. And that's what he says. A thousand may fall at your side. Ten thousand at your right hand. Millions are being destroyed by the powers of sin and the powers of darkness. Multitudes are giving in to this evil woke culture that we are inundated with in this day and hour in which we live. But can I tell you that even though the multitudes may be giving in to the powers of darkness, the believer who will put their trust in the Lord, will place their faith in the cross, will be covered by the blood and believe in the power of the blood of Jesus to cover them. You can stand up in this evil dark world against the wiles and the attacks of Satan. Praise God because God has got you covered. You can know that the devil is defeated. Your enemy is defeated today and he cannot. I said he cannot. Satan cannot penetrate the blood of Jesus that is covering your life and my life today. Oh man. There's, there's, There's teaching going around. One of the new teachings that's going around today that went around 50 years ago and it's making a, a resurgence today is that Christians, if, if Christians have some kind of besetting sin or some kind of problem, that they're demon-possessed. They have to have a demon cast out of them. That they have to be delivered from that, you know. There is a sin nature that is not a demon living in you. Come on, somebody. Amen. And you know how you get victory over the sin nature? You know how you get victory over sin? Do you know how you live free from sin? By what Jesus did at Calvary and placing your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ will set you free from the power of sin. Christians, let me just say it right now. I'm not going to dwell on it. But as a born-again believer, a Christian can be vexed by the enemy, can be oppressed by Satan, can be uh, tempted by Satan, but a Christian that is born again and washed in the blood of Jesus cannot be possessed by the devil. Come on, somebody. You cannot be possessed by the devil. Amen? You, can, you might open doors for him to come in and oppress you. But I'm going to tell you something today, that there is victory and deliverance from all oppression. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Praise God. There's no way, there's no way that, the, that Jesus is sharing his hands house with a demon. Come on somebody. Hallelujah. For the devil to be able to possess a Christian, he would have to wade through the blood of Jesus, break the seal of the Holy Ghost, and kick Jesus out. And I'm telling you, that ain't happening. Jesus is all power and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Well, give him a good praise today. He's got you covered. Amen? Worship team, make your way back if you would. Listen. He said in verse 13, You shall tread upon the lion. I'm in Psalm 91, 13. 
you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. What are each one of them symbol of? The lion. Who's the roaring lion goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Satan, help me, come on, somebody, amen. The cobra, the serpent, who's that, who's that a type of? It's Satan, isn't it? So the powers of darkest, darkness, the serpent. And he said the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent, I think the King James says the dragon, well, we know that's a type of Satan as well, you shall trample underfoot. Do you know what that is, ladies and gentlemen? That's, that's the promise of victory over all the powers of darkness. And Jesus said the same thing in Luke 10 and 19 when he told his disciples, and it includes you and me, he said, Behold, I give you authority to trample over serpents, on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing, nothing, somebody say nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why is that? Because surely, he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. He's covering you with his wings. There may be darkness all around, but you are protected because you're in the secret place of the Most High God and under the shadow of the Almighty. We live in a scary world. Things are bad. And if you don't have Jesus, you're a sitting duck. You're in trouble. I, I, I'd hate to live today in this world if I didn't know Jesus. But if your faith is in Jesus, you're under His protection. You have the seal of God upon your life, the Holy Spirit. The devil knows who you are and if you're born again, he knows you are under new management. Woo! Hallelujah. The seal of God stands sure that God knows those who are his. And so does the devil. Amen? You remember when them seven sons of Sceva, they took it upon themselves to try to cast a demon out of a demon-possessed person? And they said to that devil, well, we adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. And that devil spoke back to him. And that devil said, well, Jesus I know. And Paul I know, but who are you? I don't know who you are. I'm going to tell you what, if you've got Jesus on the inside of you as Paul did, that devil knew Jesus. That devil knew Paul. That devil knows Bob House. That devil knows Mark and Denise Farland. McFarland. Why? Because Jesus is on the inside. The devil knows who you are. You are under new management. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. You are protected by His wings covered 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 and delivered from the snare of the fowler Woo! hallelujah amen and that's what we're going to do we're going to take communion and place our faith in what Jesus has did for us at Calvary that blood and that body represents the sacrifice Jesus made and it represents your victory Ushers, would you come?
praise God and I want the ushers if you will to distribute the communion cups today amen praise the Lord Everybody is welcome to, to partake of communion. If you're a Christian today, go ahead, guys, and uh, go ahead and pass those out. If you're saved today, get you a cup and a wafer. Hang on to it until we've all been served, and we will, we will pray and partake together. Amen. been served? Anybody who has not? Anybody who has not? Anybody been served? Would you stand this morning, please, everyone standing? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we do thank you today for what we're about to partake of, the elements of communion that represent the shed blood of your son Jesus the broken body the mangled whipped body that hung on that cross as a sacrifice for sin for us today that we can be freed forgiven cleansed and freed from the power of sin and the power of darkness we thank you today Jesus for what you did as we protect today, we pray that you, Lord, will make this communion time a reality to every heart in life. That the benefits that you've provided at the cross, we know they are efficacious for us today. And we receive those benefits in our life today. Your salvation, your freedom, your victory, your deliverance, your healing. We receive those blessings in Jesus' name today. Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Would you take your wafer, please? Representing the body of your Lord Jesus. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. 
And he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Break the wafer and let's partake together of the bread. Thank you, Lord, for the stripes you took on your back for our healing today. That with those stripes, we are healed. In the same manner, he also, Jesus also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake of the cup. The juice representing the shed blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of our sin. And Lord, we receive this cup today thanking you for your forgiveness. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you that you've got us covered today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands.